You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com. Is there anything beyond the physical world? Whether unknown extensions of physics or realms of reality that are not physical. Lots of debate, little agreement. That's why I take seriously extrasensory perception, ESP. Not as a fact, but as a probe, as possible evidence for each side of the debate. If ESP does not exist, then the physical world may be reality. If ESP does exist, then reality may be more than the physical world. But there's a problem. If ESP would be more than the physical world, could it be testable by science? And if not testable then, how could ESP ever be proved or disproved? ESP is altogether a challenge. Exists, not exist, provable, disprovable. What could ESP mean? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my fixation to find out. ESP is precisely what? ESP are those kinds of mental phenomena that seem to defy natural law. Telepathy which is mind reading, clairvoyance, which is perception beyond the senses, precognition, which is knowing the future, psychokinesis, which is mind moving matter. I do not expect to adjudicate between the conflicting claims of ESP believers and ESP skeptics. I do expect to engage experts, consider diverse views, think critically, maintain a kind of independence, and then perhaps to try to discern what ESP might mean, what insights ESP might provide about the scope of reality and about the nature of proof. I begin with a pioneer of ESP research, a parapsychologist who for decades has studied the paranormal, Charles Tart. Charlie I was trained as a scientist, but I still find extrasensory perception very intriguing. Most people do. Why is that? Well, I think one of the primary reasons is that when it happens in life, it's a reminder that the universe is a lot bigger than we think. You know, we think we've got it all figured out, the universe is tight and bound, and we understand it, and then something totally inexplicable happens. In some ways, that's scary, but in other ways, it says it's big. There's mystery. Of all the different kinds of ESP, uh, which are the ones that are the most profound or the most frightening to a traditional materialistic approach to the world? Uh, Take one example, the idea of psychokinesis, that the mind can exert a force just by mental action alone. That means if you could, let's say, exert one ounce of force, you could kill people in an undetectable way simply by holding down, say, the mitral valve on their heart. No blood pumping. Now, it hasn't been that long in terms of human history since we routinely burned people at the stake who we thought could do things like that. So there is a vast climate of fear that is not all that historically long ago and that may be part of our approach toward this. The other side of that 
is hope. The hope that we are spiritual beings, that we have a soul or something that's going to survive death. And materialism totally wipes out that hope, but when something psychic or extrasensory happens, that hope is revived or reinforced. For exactly that reason is why I don't trust my own interest in it. And I tend to think that my own interest in ESP is really founded on wishful thinking, this hope, this desire for something that is really uh, unreal. And therefore, I draw back. That's excellent. I think that is a really mature reaction to question your own response and to begin to see that there are at least some irrational kinds of elements in the way you react to it. I think the people who think they're just making a logical decision about it are kidding themselves. We're human beings. We're all going to die, for instance. To say that you have no interest in the possibility of survival of death, I think, is to really suppress some part of our humanity. When you know you're ambivalent, when you know there are irrational factors coming in, you have a chance to try to control for those and still get at the truth. Let's try to make some progress by taking ESP as, as a group and looking at its implications because if anything is true in a sense of occurring outside of the bounds of the traditional scientific materialistic view, that's enormously probative of the nature of reality. So what are the implications of this? From the materialistic point of view, anybody who prays is wasting their breath and simply deluding themselves. There's no non-material being because reality is only material. All right, now we have evidence, though, for experimental telepathy. People separated by all sorts of material barriers. One of them's trying to mentally send a message. Another one sometimes gets enough of it to know that telepathy occasionally happens. Well, wait a minute, what is prayer but an attempt at some kind of telepathy. That kind of implication immediately opens you up to saying we need to look at the spiritual more seriously. When we intellectuals discuss spirituality, we tend to treat it as if it's a philosophical or a scientific theory. But that's not how it comes about. It comes about by people having profound experiences that change their life, and other people then picking up on these and organizing them into religions. But there's an experiential basis there. People experience healings that they think wouldn't make any sense in materialistic terms, or something happens that feels like a prayer has been granted. And sure, there's a lot of wish fulfillment and projection and delusion in there, but enough of it happens to keep people thinking there's something real about the spiritual. Many people who go towards spirituality do it from the standpoint of their particular religion. That's not the way you come no. about it at all. Well, you know, as a kid, I developed a great dislike of being fooled. You know, I just didn't want to be taken in by things. And as I got older, as part of my spiritual growth and my psychological growth, I recognized how susceptible I am to that, you know. And if this were an AA meeting, I'd introduce myself as, hi, my name is Charlie, and my drug of choice is ideas and theories and schemes. I get off on those. But I want to not just get drunk on ideas. I want to know how much they work in reality. Essential science to me is a wonderful discipline because it says, yeah, here's your ideas, but do they make any predictions about things you can actually observe and test for and keep grounding your ideas in reality that way? So I don't want a spirituality that's just a great set of ideas that makes me feel good. I want to know what actually checks out in real life. And parapsychological phenomena as you see it is a key to this as opposed to the doctrines of any religion in particular. Yeah. 
I mean, as far as I can say, all religions start with some founder who has some spiritual and maybe parapsychological experiences, and then the committees take over, and they revise it, and they make it into proper doctrine and whatnot. And a few hundred years later, it's all tied in with the civil authority, and if anything, people are discouraged from having spiritual experiences. To Charlie, paranormal phenomena are a game-changer for reality. ESP, he claims, undermines materialism and enlarges existence. I'd like that, which makes me cautious. Charlie worries about being fooled. So do I. I don't worry about being fooled by charlatans. I do worry about being fooled by my own hopes. I am never going to settle the sharp statistical disagreements between ESP advocates and critics. Nobody will. So if I want to know what ESP could mean, I'll not progress by struggling to determine if ESP is real. I'll need a different angle of first attack. Could ESP make sense? Is ESP a coherent concept? I ask one of parapsychology's leading researchers, chief scientist at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, Dean Radin. The idea of making sense is an important element here because we, we ordinarily think that the only way that you can be rational is for something to go through the senses. In this way of thinking, ESP is nonsense, <laughs> meaning it is not part of the senses. Right. Good, good, good. So what's the best evidence? It's not the case that there are individual experiments that you can then say, well, here it is. Here's the experiment that will convince anybody because in science you shouldn't do that anyway. Nor is it the case that there are some people with amazing skills, they claim, who say, look at this, you know, what do you think of that? Well, that's not based on that either. What, what the evidence that we have is repeated experiments based on people who don't make special claims. So just as in lots of mainstream psychology, a lot of ESP experiments are based on the equivalent of college sophomores, meaning people who volunteer for experiments. So the overall results are very, very clear in meta-analyses that something is going on. That's some controversy, but taking that it is. The effect is a statistical analysis. If this is such a powerful shift in our worldview, why is the effect always so minuscule? Well, first of all, let's look at scientific disciplines that rely on statistics of weak effects. Well, there's psychology, there's sociology, there's biology, there's medicine, there's even physics, where ultimately, Science is based on measurement. Measurement is never perfect, in which case you're always going to have to use statistical arguments to make your case. You've used a wonderful metaphor, and that is if the best uh, people so gifted in, in, in ESP would go to a casino in Las Vegas, they would still lose all their money. It would just take them longer to do so. And of course, there in the casinos, the, the uh, house odds are so weighed against you, you'd right. really have to be working at exceptional levels. Right. But so on, in general, we're talking about average people, and they don't even know that they have this skill. They're still able to show small effects. Now you can say, well, what happens if you start selecting people out who you think might do better? Do you get a better effect? And the answer is yes. So in the case of telepathy experiments, if you choose people who are in some kind of creative profession, they're, they're dancers, they're musicians, they're artists of some type, instead of getting the, the effect that we see in these experiments, they get about twice as good. So it's no longer a small statistical effect. It's now starting to get to a medium-sized 
statistical effect? Well, I think there's some controversy there, because some would argue if there's no theory, something must be wrong. Right. It has more to do with how we think our role is in the existing physical world as described by fundamental physics. So then fundamental physics, the idea of non-locality, is, is well accepted. Well, we're part of that non-locality, so why shouldn't we occasionally feel or see things at a distance? So it's, it's not so much that the, the physics no longer allows it. One of the challenges there is orders of magnitude and size, that the, the entangled objects are generally particles that are very, very small, many orders of magnitude uh, below the size of our brain cells, where we at least uh, apprehend information. Right. But rather than arguing about scaling up quantum entanglement, the, the point of bringing it up was to say, 100 years ago, it was a complete showstopper. ESP couldn't exist. In fact, it was called error someplace <laughs> because there was no plausible way of thinking of it. Mm -hmm. But now we do have plausible ways. It may not be the right idea, but at least it's moving in that direction. Dean, unsurprisingly, asserts that ESP is real. Among scientists, he is in the minority. He addresses the does ESP make sense question by appealing to quantum theory, but it's an appeal that most quantum physicists would reject. Although the quantum world is indeed mysterious, one mystery rarely solves another, and although quantum events can be entangled at all distances, quantum information cannot be transmitted faster than the speed of light. If ESP must rely on quantum theory, I'd fear that ESP is not going to make sense. Perhaps I want to believe too much. Do I seek evidence that is only confirmatory, not contradictory? That would be a danger sign. I should speak with an expert on belief systems. I meet Bruce Hood, cognitive neuroscientist and skeptic. I ask him, why are people inclined to believe in ESP? We have so many experiences which just seem to make sense in terms of ESP that can't be explained away. Every time I give a talk, you know, I always have someone come up to me and say, well, you know, you've, you've said it's natural, a you know, consequence of seeing the world, and, but you can't explain why I've had this experience. And I say, no, I can't explain it. But what you've got to understand is that, you know, our lives are punctuated with coincidences. I mean, that's the normality of it all. We just don't pay any attention to them. It's only when something is so bizarre, it registers as being unusual. And that's why you give it great significance. I, I, I phrase it sometimes the opposite. I, I say, what you don't know is all the coincidences that didn't happen. That's true, yeah. That's <laughs> my way of phrasing it. I yeah. mean, you, you, there's, there's millions and billions yeah, of coincidences absolutely. that didn't happen. Um, but we've all had these events, haven't we? I think it's in our nature to want to believe in these sorts of things. But the evidence is just so fragmented. It doesn't stand up to the scientific scrutiny. So I'm interested yeah. in why we have these beliefs, because I have these beliefs. I have this desire. I don't have the belief, I have the desire. Yeah. And the desire, I try to push into a belief. Well, yeah, otherwise you have to accept a rather, you know, dismal picture um, about existence, that we are kind of solitary individuals in a race on a planet which is slowly spinning into non-existence. It's kind of a d depressing affair. It would be great to have the alternative, which is everything is magical and there's a fantasy. But as scientists, uh, you know, I keep coming back to it. We can't uh, verify. Is there anything in uh, developmental psychology in children, uh, your area of research, that can shed light on why we have this 
desire for belief in things that, that are, are clearly not easily demonstrable. Children have a way of interpreting the world which can naturally lead to beliefs in those, those events which are supernatural. So this understanding that the mind is separate to the body can allow for the possibility that the mind has powers which go over and beyond the powers which constrain the body. It's an easy way to assume that these things are real rather than reject it as, as being non-scientific. Science isn't a natural way of seeing the world. It's so counterintuitive. If it was obvious and natural, then it wouldn't be a problem. So how do you account, though, for the continuing belief of so many people, even pretty educated people, in uh, areas that you would feel are non-scientific, ESP being one, religion being another? Uh... I mean, there's a functional value to these belief systems. I mean, they do serve a variety of purposes, not only as explanatory frameworks, but they give people hope. And in situations of stress, they give them the illusion of control. So whether it's lucky charms or rituals that you engage in or prayer, this gives you the sense that you're doing something and that inoculates you against the uncertainty, uncertainties of the world. So I completely accept that the traditional scientific methods, repeatability, will not bring ESP as a true phenomenon. But I always wonder, can it still be real? Is there something about reality that is not susceptible to the scientific method? Well, I like my reality to be replicable. And at the moment, as far as we know, ESP phenomenon doesn't replicate, and so therefore it remains anecdote. And the plural of anecdote is not data. Well, is data the sum total of truth? Yes. Sorry to say as bluntly as that, but yes, otherwise it's left as fantasy. Fantasy? Is my hope founded on fantasy? Bruce gives proper warning, and I mustn't ignore it. Analyzing myself, I am holding two divergent views at the same time. I sense that something about ESP is real. I do not believe that science can discern it. These two views seem to conflict. Can I elevate the discourse? Can ESP be viewed from a higher perspective? I go to Birmingham, England, to visit John Hick, a distinguished philosopher of religion who believes in a profound real beyond the physical. To John, ESP is evidence. John, the claims of parapsychology and ESP, if they are true, and it's a big if, but if they are true, mm -hmm. what are the implications for understanding the world in which we live? In fact, the only one I feel confident about is telepathy, in which thoughts are conveyed from one mind to another, not by any physical intermediary, but somehow directly. Now, if, if that occurs, it's very bad news for materialism, because it ought not to be possible. Russian scientists tried to prove that it was physical, and what they did was to put, if you have two people involved, don't you, one who is trying to send a message, one who is receiving it, the one who receives it into a lead box through which ordinary physical radiation could not penetrate. And they wanted to show that this would shut off telepathy, but they found that it didn't, to their consternation. It seemed to be a purely mental effect at a distance, something very, very strange indeed. I would agree with you that the data does not show, weak as it is, a diminution with distance. 
Yeah. So, w which is characteristic of everything That's in the right. physical world. Yeah. So, I think it's a good bet that if it is real, and it's an if, that it is something certainly beyond our normal characterization of what the physical sure. is. Yeah. Now, how does that integrate with your understanding of consciousness? For well, it fits in quite well, doesn't it? How uh, so? so? Because if there was nothing but brain, physical brain, I mean, physical brain might might emit electric messages, perhaps, but not not over long distances. And as you pointed out, they would diminish over over distance. Uh, this doesn't fit ESP. What makes me believe that ESP occurs is not so much the statistical as purely spontaneous examples in which you think of somebody and you find that they were thinking of you at that particular moment. But if it is real, the, some say it has to be explained by the physical world. But how can it be? And, and, that's, and that's the big question. Indeed. And if it can't be, does that open up a huge new window to well, a new does, reality? Yes, it means that there is um, reality beyond the physical. So it, it is quite important. I admire John and would hope his real reflects reality. But I cannot help but think that his belief in ESP, telepathy, is motivated by his prior belief in a non-physical real. When one has pre-existing bias, it's frighteningly easy to self-select data and skew evidence. I should know. Susan Blackmore is quite the opposite. A former parapsychologist and ardent ESP researcher, she became an ardent ESP skeptic, and I should go see her. If it were true, we'd get some kind of a theory, we'd get some kind of replicable result, and, and it would take off like any other science does. And it hasn't. That doesn't prove there's nothing there. But it just, you know, adds to the suspicion that it's just little errors accumulating here and there. What we're clearly coming to is that the traditional way that science works doesn't work in parapsychology. Now, there could be two answers to that. The obvious one, which is the one you're taking, which indeed may be correct, is that there's nothing there. Yeah. I mean, that, that is sort that's of... That's the conclusion the, I came to. That's the first <laughs> approximation that, that a normal person would come to. Yeah. The second approach says that the nature of the phenomena is different. Yeah. And that it is not either as susceptible or susceptible at all so let's to be... the repeatable concept of the scientific method. method so let's be really imaginative real. then. And let's, let's do imaginative science. I mean, the scientific method is not a kind of closed thing that always works this way. Science is a method of saying, rather than believing some old book or something, it's saying, let's look at the universe and see how it works. Let's right. be inventive. Right. So let's be inventive about right. parapsychology. Right. I tried. Right. One argument is you can't put it in the lab. Oh, right, fair enough. Things like out-of-the-body experiences. You can't put someone in the lab and say, have an out-of-body experience now. So I didn't. What I did for years was in my kitchen at home, I had um, on the wall uh, a number, a small object and a picture. And I asked anyone I met who regularly had out-of-the-body experiences to come and visit in their own time, from their own home, to come and visit my kitchen. So that's a naturalistic way of doing it. That didn't work either. I spent I don't know how many nights in haunted houses where no one's dared sleep for a hundred years. And you know, there are ways. If that were true, there are ways. Maybe they'll still pay off, but maybe they won't. 
But it's a reasonable argument. But what you're saying, though, that if there is something, then it would overturn traditional science. If there is something, it's really important to science and we need to find it, which is why I kept going. <laughs> but? <laughs> but I gave up in the end because I never, in 30 years of research, I never found any good evidence of the paranormal. At some point, you have to say, it's not worth carrying on, and I got to that point. About ESP, I still hold my two views. On the one hand, notwithstanding ESP frauds, illusions, and hope-induced false beliefs, some ESP may be real. On the other hand, the scientific method, which requires repeatability and physics-grounded mechanisms, will never prove ESP to everyone's satisfaction. Do my two views contradict each other? Only if we assume that our physical world of space and time is the only reality. But if reality goes beyond the physical, a big if, if there are phenomena operating beyond space-time, then ESP could not be falsified by science. But this does not mean that ESP is real. Many false beliefs have internally consistent self-protecting structures. But if ESP is in any sense real, ESP does seem independent of space and time because ESP's actions or effects do not diminish over space and time. So what could ESP mean? Because of the possible paradigm-shattering implications, I choose my words carefully. If ESP is in any sense real, a world that is entirely physical is not closer to truth. To watch complete conversations with over 100 of the world's leading thinkers on cosmos, consciousness, and meaning, visit our website, closertotruth.com.